0: So at seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan oh. again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tie,
1: Kefu!
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. We've got Toby back in here with us, me and Leo here, as always, the consistent two in the podcast. But we've got rapid rugby news, we've got super rugby news, and boys, why don't we just get straight into it? Let's hear it. Let's hear who your players are the round world, Toby.
0: Hey, Severis. Um This guy's just a phenomenon. I love he's, um, Yeah, he's just... I don't know, you just watch him, he's dynamic, he's so quick, he's powerful, he's not the biggest bloke either, and he just, some of those tries he's been scoring is ridiculous, and on the weekend, really showed all his talents, and that bump on, what was it, who was it? Oh, Kong Kong Smith, Kong Smith. He put him on
2: which I've never seen that
0: happen to Smith before. A guy with such a good, low centre of gravity that you do that to, I mean, that's enough for me, so it was an easy pick for me this week.
2: Yeah, definitely. I saw his name. I was looking at like uh, the season leaders in like clean breaks and stuff, and he's number two on the list with 20, but he hasn't even played every game, so he's averaging about four clean breaks a game, uh, which is impressive from um, Severus. I think he had 10 in this game alone. What about you, Leah? Who'd you have?
1: I thought Joshuani was really impressive this week. Like, Obviously, a very big win for the Highlanders away against the Sunwolves. The control he Exerted on the game, lots of really great flat, well-timed passes landing on the on the chests of his ball runners, putting guys through gaps, kicking cross field for the wingers, um, setting up tries that way, and then and all these place kicking with the boot as well. Just a really really solid eighty minutes. Well, actually, it wasn't eighty minutes. Bring Gatlin came on, but um, a really solid match for him, uh, and and definitely throwing his hat in the ring there for that third uh, All Blacks pivot spot. Uh, we know that Richie Moanga and Bowden Barrett will be going uh, to Japan for the World Cup unless they get in, injured. That's a certainty. It's going to be the, the third fly half, assuming they want one. Uh, at the moment, Joshuani, I think is got the the strongest case for that position.
2: Yeah, I like I like when they keep him down there at number ten in the Highlanders. I don't like um, I don't think they need to do any more switching with people like Marty Banks or Bryn Gatland. He looks like he's he's on on the money for them.
1: And Bryn Gatlin probably thought he was coming to the Highlanders with a real shot at locking up a 10 position and and mm. he's just been relegated to bench depth now so unfortunate for him he um he does he he did come on and he also played well he put in crossfield kicks and and place kicked reasonably well too but I think Joshuani's probably just got him for the starter spot
2: yeah and I'm keeping it with the kiwi flavor for myself as well i've I've got Geordie Barrett, uh, a player that really hasn't Stood out that much in 2019 Super Rugby He's been moving around lots of different positions Finally got the start back at fullback this week Um, Sort of pushed Chase Teotere out to the wing But really capitalised, two early tries Was really active all around the park Uh, Some good kicking displays as well And I think 15 must be his position Because he just seems to fit in a lot better there Than wherever else he is on the field
1: yeah, totally, I still yeah. think he can do that from the wing that sort of work and and the chief's defense on Geordie's second try was pretty hopeless so um, I, I want to see it a few more times before I, I think I still think wing is his best position but you know maybe maybe he's improving maybe he's finding form at the right time ahead of the world Cup
0: I don't know I, I have to disagree with that I just think that fullback gives him that bit you know more space and more time to really operate well and he just took control of this game. It's probably one of the best games I've seen him play at, a, you know, if he's not playing for the All Blacks at Super Rugby level at least. And I don't know, it just it seems right. He's, he's peaking at the right time. When everyone was worried about McKenzie being out and maybe a bit of lack of depth at 15, I think Jordy might actually even keep Ben Smith out of there if he keeps playing like
1: this. I don't think he's going to keep Ben Smith out.
0: Well, they oh, like, Ben they seem, Smith would go to the
2: wing. Yeah, they seem to like putting Ben Smith to the wing and then putting another more sort of classified playmaker there. I don't know.
1: Mm.
2: Let's get into the games recap. And as you see, there are no uh, Australian players of the round. And it's a bit reflected here. First game was Waratahs versus Sharks at the new Bankwest Stadium out in Parramatta. And close early, but some discipline errors from the Tars and... Ah, uh, just got away from them there. Sharks taking this one on the road, 23-15. to 15.
0: And the really unfortunate thing with this is now that the Waratahs go on tour to South Africa, they have a really tough schedule to end the, the season. And so this was a good opportunity to really catch up to the Rebels and be a point behind them with a win. I don't know, the, the Waratahs just seem so inconsistent. You don't really know what you're getting. I mean, they were in this game for a lot of it, but as soon as the cards came out, it really was a different proposition. And although they only led, you know, they let one try in during that the course of the second half there, it just wasn't good enough. And now Jed's gone for three weeks and, um, you know, they've lost a few guys to injury. And I think it's going to be really tough for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. The discipline and issue, inconsistent play, That they're, they're not unlocking all the talent they've got in the back line. The, the forwards aren't... Um, aren't always uh, holding up their end of the bargain either. And they've got this away run of games, Bulls, Lions, and then Sunwolves. Um, not not an easy task. I, is There a, There must be a buy-in there before the Sunwolves, I think. They're not playing um, you got the uh,
2: They're playing the um, Reds when they come Oh, down. the Reds. Yeah. They're sorry, playing, yeah, sorry. They've
1: played two games versus the Sunwolves. Yeah, that's right. So, like, that's... They've, I've, I would actually... I would go as far as saying... They've probably missed their opportunity. The Rebels, the Rebels have got um, you know some of the tougher teams at home, including the Waratahs. They've actually still got that home game against the Waratahs. Yeah. I would expect the Rebels now just pull out into the lead and probably be the only Australian team to feature in the finals. Oh, I yeah, I don't know. I think... Is...
0: What do you think, Arch brumbies maybe? If they play well, I That's think they still I was, got a chance. That was
2: the thinking, especially because the Brumbies still have two games versus the Sunwolves um, home and away that they haven't played yet. Um, that should hopefully give them a little bit of a chance, but it's, it's tough with all these South African teams being so um, consistent and sort of sharing up the points so well. You've got four of the five teams in that conference all uh, in the playoffs at the moment with the Lions one point out of it at the bottom there.
0: I just I don't know where the Waratahs go from here. We've talked about this a lot, but you know you lose Jet out of that second row, and suddenly you're probably putting Haddington back in there. So you got a lighter guy as well. I just they don't have the go for. They don't have the punch in their forwards. Um, I really wanted to see Tolu Latu get a start maybe this coming week, but I believe he's got an injury as well. So it just it their bench looks pretty light on as well in terms of experience and quality, and I just don't think they have you know, the base set by their forwards to really set up their backs to perform well. So I think they're going to have big problems.
2: That's that's what is highlighted the most to me, the inherent problem that we've seen in the Waratahs over the last two years. They In the biggest year probably of recruiting when the Western Force went out, they didn't do a good enough job and they haven't improved that this year. You think about... Okay, prop stocks, they've been hit a little bit with injury, with Shambek and Tom Robinson going out. Sure, you've had some issues with Tolu Latu not being there. Second row, they brought in Rob Simmons a couple of years ago, but they didn't really bring in anyone else in that big exodus from the Western Force and other team movements. And they didn't do anything this year. What they did, they signed a young South African um, that we've seen maybe for two minutes off the bench once. Like what? Yes. Why? Why are they signing that kid and letting Australian locks like Richie Arnold go last year? He went over to Europe. Why are you letting that happen? Surely you'd love to have a Richie Arnold in your pack right now. A big physical lock to just shore up your scrum, make be a bit more physical.
1: It's funny. They do seem to focus on um, collecting the like, stars in other areas. Like, you know, they've, they've brought Adam Ashley Cooper back. They've got Carmichael Hunt. Yeah. Um They have the money. Like they, they, yeah, yeah. But, they, like, the, I think the back line probably gets a bit more attention. The, I can't – like, Rob, Rob Simmons, as much as I don't think he's um, a star, but he's probably one of the biggest name signings for the forwards they've had in a long time. So, so like, yeah, you're right. They haven't, they haven't really gone out and tried to bring in – um, experienced, startable talent, mm. but they're also—I don't feel like they're developing that much either. Like they're just kind of stuck with with the same guys who, who've almost hit hit a ceiling and just can't can't seem to get into that really elite tier. Mm. We're not really bringing anyone through behind them, and we're not bringing anyone in over the top of them. And so you just get to this point where you're you're a bit mediocre, and and maybe that's affecting the backs' ability to unlock. A bit of space and, and potential out wide.
0: I think I said this to Archie before. I really think, look, the answer for me is maybe to get someone like Swinton, who's a bit more abrasive. He's got a bit more punch through the middle, putting him to six, and then switching Dempsey into eight if he's fit, which I'm not sure he is. Um, Michael Hooper's doing far too much work in the carrying stakes, and you saw against the Sharks he was getting held up um, into malls and really getting dominated in contact And we haven't seen that a lot in terms of Michael Hooper. So I just think that speaks to... He needs more support around him to lighten the load a bit. Um, And I think, you know, Ned Hannigan is going to go into the second row. But I think we need a shuffle in the back row. Yeah.
2: I I don't think there's a real solution in the stocks that they have at the moment, unfortunately. And now we hear news that Simon Cron, the forwards coach, uh, forwards potentially a defense coach moving on now uh, after this year, moving to Japan to coach.
0: And he was the one guy that you know, a lot of people thought could come into the Waratahs as head coach as early as next year. Unfortunately, Gibson had his contract extended at the start of this year, so that kind of was ruled out early on. But then you know, Simon Cron was seen as a future Wallabies coach as well, um, and he does have New Zealand roots. And now he's you know going back to that, and you wouldn't be surprised to see him in the next couple of years move back into New Zealand, and perhaps be coaching at the top level for one of those franchises. So it's a real shame. Um, after he you know took North to a Shoot Shield title four years ago, I think three or four years ago, and you know was really making a mark at the Waratahs, and and now he's going to be out of there at the end of the season. Yeah,
2: very disappointing.
1: I I still think someone like Sakopi Kepu... Isn't really holding up their end of the bargain, but who, like who you replace, in this.
2: You can't replace him with anyone.
1: Oh no, no, and and I'm not I'm not suggesting that he needs to be that he needs to be subbed out. Like we have what we have. We can't afford to be picky at the moment, unfortunately. But I feel like he's been a bit on the slide for some time, and and it's not really getting much attention. Like, uh, yeah, you look I, at agree. How ma- I
0: agree. agree. look at you look at how many but...
1: carries. You look at the Waratahs and their carries. Hooper in this game. Hooper had 15. Johnson Holmes 13. Dempsey 12. Staniforth 12. Right, Four and you got to go all the way down the list. And Kepu has five, and he's made six meters, and he's passed the ball once, and he's seven of nine tackles. Like I feel like, where is he? And and he's like he's one of your sort of. Yeah, I think That's he very, is. Yeah. Like, and um, Again, we, there's not much we can do about it at the moment. But he's he's like a, you know, he's in the frame for Wallabies. He might not be quite a starter maybe in consideration, but he, he has been until very recently. And I, I just think he's not, um, you know, he's one of the senior guys in this growing young team. Fitzpatrick's young, Johnson Holmes' young, you know, guys in and out. He's like one of the consistent guys there every week. And he's not pulling his weight. And he's, uh, and he's actually causing turnovers as well. He's he's he gets penalised not rolling away from rucks, um, you know, holding onto the ball when he gets isolated. Um, you, to me, a, he looks
2: tired. He just looks really tired. They were
1: yeah, saying no how energy. good the
2: consistency was that the Waratahs had started the same front row all year. I'm like, that's just because they have no other options. Yeah, the props are brand newbies that you've called in for the first round. And your other hook has been suspended for the majority of the year anyway. So Kepu, so Kopi Kepu is playing like 65 minutes because they're worried about bringing anyone else on in the scrums because then they immediately lose all power in their scrums. And he just looks tired. It doesn't look like he really wants to be there. And I can't really blame him. Then shouldn't he
1: be getting rested as a wallaby? That's what so I he So maybe they've been told that he's not in the frame and so you know. use him as much as you want.
0: I would say at best, he's the third, you know, in line, third best tight head in Australia at the moment. And so that's why I think they're not as worried about resting him, like you say, because he may not even make the bench for the Wallabies come the rugby championship. We know he does step up at the top level. He's a bit like Kurundrani used to be. Um, He would really step up for the Wallabies, but... I think he's what, thirty two, thirty three now and he's he's getting on a little bit. Mm. Um another factor I think could be in the mix is the fact he's best mates with Israel Falau. I would say that this whole saga with Falau has probably taken a bit of a toll on him personally and he may be a bit distracted by that. Um so that could, you know, be a factor as well. But I think
1: Kepu hasn't been I think he has been around for, for a few weeks anyway. Yeah. I think this right. season has been weeks and weeks where he hasn't been up to it and you know, just caught just source of errors and turnovers and penalties and he's he's more experienced and, and should be wise enough to to not um be the the source of all that. Like I think he's got it would be, be smart. a very
0: different story if Shem was there putting pressure on him as a young tighthead every week. But I think as we've said, is it Chris Talakai? Yeah at the tight head. Yeah. yeah. He's just—he's just not a threat. Like he's not going to take his starting spot.
1: Yeah, um, but that's bad in itself. It means he's not able to motivate for any other reason than feeling threatened. If that's what no, you're that's saying, right. like well, you can not he can't put in any effort unless he feels like he might lose his job.
0: When you're that established, I think that you do get a certain sense of complacency when there's no one
1: really at your level competing with. And that's that's a, that's a coaching that's issue as well. then. Yeah, yeah
0: so possibly.
1: Where's the coach just, motivating him? The, the write-up so on Cron fun. was like, look how well he's done with Rob Simmons and Michael Wells and all these um, Hannigan, like developing these young guys Holloway to try and get them into a you know an elite Super Rugby tier. And you know where, where's his focus on a guy like Kepu? I, I just I just don't see Kepu's vibrance there anymore. I don't see him putting in, and, and I think that's a shame because he's got so much experience he could really lend to that young team.
0: Well, luckily we do have Alalatoa and Tong and Thor. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. the peak the of the powers. The so that's lucky for the Wallabies. But for the Waratahs, yeah, it's it's pretty shambolic at the moment. Shambolic without Shamboklavui. Shamboklavui.
2: <laughs> the only positives I can tell you out of that game is, look, Beal continues to look very comfortable at 15. That's a good positive. And also... The fact that the Sharks started holding up the tars with poor body height in their offence and runs and then somehow the Waratahs seemed to adjust and actually stop that happening. That actually showed a level of actually realising what was going on and adjusting your game plan and changing to make sure you were getting to ground. That's the only things I can say. We weren't really potent enough in attack. When you think that our only proper try really came from um, going down the short side with Jake Gordon and Curtis Rowan just catching uh, a defensive lapse there. There was no sort of build up of pressure and then a break through the Sharks line at any point in this
0: match.
1: Yeah. No, I that's think that's a good point, Arch.
0: I think we've we've probably mulled over the Waratahs enough. I think the last thing we should mention is that hit by Cam Clark. I think that was pretty significant. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure there's been probably equivalent hits during the season, but that was one of the bigger hits I've seen by a back put on this year.
2: I I don't think it was that big. I think he was off balance because it didn't even hit him with his shoulder. He just sort of bear-hugged him and his feet just went away. Like, he
0: blindsided um, him, though. It was a good yeah,
2: hit. Yeah, it was it was a good read and it was a good... Hit. It was a
1: good decision.
2: Yeah, when yeah. The, all the commentators yeah. are blowing up about the hood of the year. Oh, my God. And you're like... Oh, yeah, but
0: that's like Phil Kearns. You're like, well, don't listen to him. So, <laughs> but yeah. Um,
2: no, Cam Clark has been showing a little bit more in the last couple of weeks, definitely. Let's go to the Brumbies game, and they were playing the Hagiwaras uh early morning Sunday, and it was close throughout this, and a few suspect sort of decisions, a few suspect tries from the Hagiwaras, a bit of crawling on the ground at places, getting back and running again. But in the end they took this one 20 points to 15 the Warrior Tars missed out on the bonus point but the brumbies get one in this losing by five
1: yeah and i thought yeah, the, the brumbies th- were very good in this game like they will be disappointed that they they didn't get the win uh, they actually performed really well
0: i don't know i don't know if i agree with that though i i just think the handling errors would... i they didn't look out of it by any means, but I think the handling errors really cost them. They just weren't able to execute at the right times. And, I mean, it was a very defensive, scrappy game. Um, but you're right, there were some calls in there that went against them. And I just I think there is hope for the Brumbies. I think that they've, you know, obviously they had a win in South Africa. They've come close here in Argentina. It's never easy playing there. So, you know, there's there are some good signs. And I think with guys like Lockie McCaffrey coming back, potentially Pocock coming back. Um, yeah, there is there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. I think they can improve on their performances to date.
1: You're right, the like, the turnover side of things isn't great and it is shared across the whole team. Like it's not really any one person. Um, I'm a bit disappointed Tom Wright hasn't managed to remain sort of impactful. Like yeah. Banks Banks was a star in this game and you know beyond that I think Leliofano was was pretty solid as well but mm. like where where's where's the centers where's your where's your you know these guys should be carrying the ball um, several times every game Kurandrani's there carrying seven times Tom Wright only five for four meters like they're just not getting any of that penetration and, and gain line uh, crossover from those guys and and you can't afford to have such pivotal positions. Um, sort of underperforming That's that's what it feels like to me And Banks is thankfully um, Popping up all over the place And having an impact But they really need some of that Get The direct gains out of the centres I'm just not seeing it at the moment
2: Yeah I, I wouldn't be too harsh on Karim Drani In this game I think he was very active Especially in defence He seemed like he was constantly sprinting over To cover Henry Spate's wing Because he was worried that um, Henry Spate was going to miss a tackle It's a liability yeah, but he was very active and seemed really like energetic in this game and really all over the field. but you're right, it turned into a bit of a defensive slog. Um, Bank's definitely the the one of the few sort of bright spots in um, offense and that's encouraging to see him put together a couple of games on the roll, especially with the sort of news that maybe this fullback spot is sort of opening up for them. But I think one win away and one loss with a bonus point. Is pretty I think most teams it's a would successful tour. love to have that as a tour and it's whether they can come and continue that form um, in these next sort of couple of weeks back in Australia
1: Absolutely and, and think- um, also just quickly discipline much much better again from the Brummies a couple of good weeks here where they've kept kept their heads and, and not given away the silly turnovers the silly penalties um, especially away from home that's a good way to to strengthen the, the home team and make life difficult for yourself. But they've been very careful about that, which is a real positive. Having
0: said that, I mean, there was a lot of niggle in this game and there were, you know, a couple of instances where it looked like a fight was going to break out. So I like that they're bringing the aggression, but you're right, Leo, if they can keep the penalties under control, it's really going to say yeah, nowhere, nowhere,
1: nowhere the limit is
0: like, yeah. yeah. And, and Laufey, it's feeling week uh, to
1: week, depending on the, Depending on the referee, depends on how far they let it go. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like
0: I think, what's the chance you think Simone comes back in at 12?
1: I don't think it's certain that Tom Wright stays there. So I think it's kind it of... It doesn't
0: if, look if, certain if, at all.
1: No, I, I, I there's Both players bring um, certain mm-hmm. skills and abilities, but I don't think either one of them has been consistent enough, like Simone early on, and then we saw Tom Wright come in, had a good game, and he's sort of been a bit um, MIA since then to me. Like, I don't think either of them's locked it up, obviously, so probably lots more chopping and changing and might be a bit um, opposition-dependent. They might decide they want more of Simone's kicking or more of Tom Wright's direct running, but, you know, they've got to actually execute those skills well, although I don't know what they're offering.
0: I'd like to see Jackson Jordan Hope get an opportunity, but it seems like he can't even make the 23 at the moment. And I don't know if Muirhead can play 12 either, but I, I think Muirhead's got a lot of potential. He just doesn't ever seem to get enough game time um, consistently. So, I don't know. It's a, a few problems there at 12. I think it does kind of stunt some of Crudenradi's potential as well.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely would. You need that interplay between the centres, um, even if it's just the decoy lines or... Or the short offloads that that help feed Kurandrani and give him space and room to work. Archie, is this a is the Brumbies a team that could use a a Sunwolves outcast at twelve?
2: Oh, yeah. Mate the number eight slash number twelve now for the Sunwolves, Warren Vossiato. Oh, that'd be a lovely little direct ball runner, wouldn't it? Oh. Weird
0: that. Please don't let please don't let the Brumbies get him. Look, the Waratahs need a number eight. Uh, we need we need him be, at number eight.
2: To be honest, I don't care as long as he comes to an Australian team. Yeah. Don't just let him. Come I, don't, I don't really either. It's the, an, it's the only
0: franchise without only franchise with a, in Australia without a top quality number eight. You got Higginbotham, McCaffrey, and ec Nisarani. The other three, you know, franchises. So I think the Waratahs need an abrasive ball carrier like him, and get him signed. Like do some recruitment. Waratahs, get out there and get his signature.
1: I don't I don't disagree that they need him but I, I feel like the Waratahs are the lead, the league leaders of mismanaging talent. Yeah. So well, I just, feel like we'll lose him we'll lose him forever if he goes to the Waratahs he'll just suddenly become mediocre and terrible. And we'll and just stop he'll never amount and to
0: producing number 6 blindside flankers like we have about 10 of them. Like just calm down with that. We need number 8s and like proper locks.
1: I'm going to go on a shoot shield investigation in a couple of weeks time go try and find some some number eight stocks for us. Yeah. I bet you they're out there. I bet you they're just not seeing them. That's it.
0: There's oh, they know. They, they know how how the, the Waratahs. Go. They know how to lose a player. I tell you that.
2: <laughs> All right, let's move on to some of these other games, and we can fly through a few of these pretty quickly. Um, Crusaders thirty-six to ten over the Lions, really convincing win. Uh, we've already mentioned players like Seve Rees, George Brid had a double, and Braden Enor really killed it, pretty much sliding in at the for, shoes. for Jack Goodhue as well.
1: Yeah, amazing that they found another guy well, not found, I mean, he's been there, but um, like just slots in the number 13 and looks composed and is having a big impact on the game. Brings some slightly different things to Jack Goodhue, but all all falling into place for the Crusaders again. And lots of this um, trickery around the set piece, the Lions just couldn't handle all the, the decoy lines and, and had no idea where the ball was coming from off lineouts and scrums and much to George Bridge and Severice's uh, success, they they ran in multiple tries off all that type of play. I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you like at what point if if the Crusaders have this trick of like setting them all and then not actually using it and using it as a bit of a a sort of a visual obstruction to where the ball's going, at what point when the guys have broken off and are running does does the defender the defending side who are in that mall suddenly be obstructed by that mall because it feels like the Crusaders are tying up a lot of guys in a mall um, and, and they're, not, they're not able to get out and form part of the defensive line maybe because they think the ball's still at the back of the mall or maybe because they're being held back. Well, this is
2: the tactical expertise of the Crusaders. They identify bits like this where they can draw in people and they have an excuse to grab onto the opposition, and bind onto them, and stop them moving. And then it says, well, they've formed a maul, but we're not using that maul. We're actually passing it around the side. But that still gives you the excuse of holding onto a player for an extra two, three seconds, and it just allows the player around them.
1: It's it's like this little wrinkle in the rules that no one's one's tried to leverage it yet, is that a maul is a way to legally hold onto a bunch of players, and no one's tested the... The, the boundaries of when do I kind of need to let go? Because malls, malls kind of carry through and break up in a pretty organic way most of the time. Yeah. You could be holding on to a guy for two, three seconds after the mall's disintegrated and have guys running lines right near them. And they'll just be like, oh, well, that's probably still, that guy's committed to this mall that doesn't exist anymore. The, this is just classic crusaders finding little wrinkles like this where they can get little advantages and exploiting mm. the hell out of them and then the rules will probably change and and no one else will be able to do it, but the Crusaders will make hay out of it for 12 months while while the um, administrators are figuring out how to counter it.
0: But, I mean, really, they're a joy to watch, aren't they? Like, they're a great team oh, to watch. Yeah. They play rugby hard. They play, smart. It, they play it really smart. I don't know if they, they play it fair, but they play it smart, um, and they get away with... They play more like the All Blacks. They get away with things, and they play right on the edge, um, and they make the correct adjustments when you know the game evolves. So, I was really impressed. I, I don't
1: think this like stuff's me. illegal though. That's like they, they, they right. play right at the edge of the rules, and they find these they find these you new things know, gray areas. No
2: even thought of to do that's right. About. There, like, hey, no... What if we do this?
1: Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, you know, we spent yeah, a month safe. or two talking about if it's legal or not, and eventually someone makes a decision. If it's illegal, well, it doesn't matter. They've already got eight wins in the bag, yeah. and that's been part of their bag of tricks. So. Uh, it's just, yeah. You're right. It's a, it's a joy to watch. It's um it's, it makes you think about all the, you know, creative things that these coaches are coming up with and where they get their inspiration. And uh, I think the Brumbies have actually adopted a little bit of this. They they muffed it on the weekend with a, a Inga pass to I think Spate. They um they dropped it, but they did almost the same thing. So maybe maybe the Australian teams are trying these things as well. Mm.
0: If you want to have a look at the Lions at the moment, um, they're in disarray. They've got. Their head coach, De Brain, he's gone back on stress leave from the tour, so he mm-hmm. left early. Yeah,
2: he left before the um, game. And
0: was... Joey Mongolo, yeah. who was found guilty of indecent assault, which occurred last year. So their administration as well, I think, is under pressure. And As an organisation, after making three Super Rugby finals in a row, I think this, this kind of really speaks to their fall from grace at the moment. Um, you know, they've still got a whole raft of good players, but I do think that they're really... It's not a great environment to be playing in at the moment for the Lions.
2: Well, and now they are technically at the bottom of the South African Conference as well. Yeah. Which you wouldn't have thought possible two weeks ago, but here it is. Um, next... I mean, look
0: at that. There's Each team has five wins. You know, that's...
1: Yeah, there's remarkable. only four points in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's insanity.
2: And that's why four of the five are in the playoffs already. Um, well, not already. Maybe not come into the season. But at, at the moment...
0: B- currently, yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's move on to the Highlanders-Sunwolves game and a 52 point to nil drubbing here. And I think this was a bit of a case of the Sunwolves and Highlanders play a very similar game, but the Highlanders have been playing that game for a lot longer and they have a lot bigger, better forwards. And they just starve the Sunwolves of ball. Me and Leah, I think we sort of highlight a little bit of this, that unless the Sunwolves got its, a couple of breaks early, this could turn very heavily for the Highlanders, and we saw Joshua Arnie doing it, but yeah, the Highlanders across the park just really good, um, really consistent holding onto the ball and yeah, taking, taking down the Sunwolves, and they didn't even get there. Uh, Trademark tried to Masawira this week, uh, called back on a forward pass just before the line.
1: So, Arch, explain to me why I tipped the Sunwolves by one then. I don't know. Because.
0: <laughs> I'm
2: really confused you, of I'll... why we had this discussion and then you decided to tip the Sunwolves after a hurt. We were like...
1: Because I've done, I've done something really dumb where usually when I'm not sure what my margin, what I want the margin to be, I just put something in and I come back to it. And this one I've stupidly put the Sunwolves by one just thinking home team and just... And just left it there and then never came back to check it. And I was I wrong you, by 53 points.
0: <laughs> it probably means that you really doubted the Highlanders, you know, travelling. They haven't been in the best form all year, but I think they're starting to come good. Um, and we've seen now they've they've got points in them. And the way the Sun Sunwolves, you know, do rotate through their players, I just think, you know, they've got a few games to go there's uncertainty around the future of that team beyond this year. And I I think that might actually really hurt them towards the end of the year. I know that they probably now got another eye on a future contract or, you know, what your future is going to be beyond this year. So the players probably are are being a bit self-interested and um, that's hard to avoid, I think, in this situation.
1: There's a lot of errors in this game as well, though, from them. Like 25% of their carries uh, they turned over and they missed 40% of tackles. Yeah. Missed tackles
2: like, like they're
1: just missed poor. Just... Yeah. The, the, the Highlanders just carved them up and it wasn't even, wasn't even always that there was a player there to tackle. Like the Highlanders were kicking in behind and doing all sorts of clever play, like putting guys through gaps. There was no one there to make yeah. a tackle. The the structure just fell apart through just the, just the frenetic play for the Highlanders and, and everything landed for them. Like they couldn't put a foot wrong. It was a all, fell into place for them this week.
0: Yeah,
2: this this is the argument behind why the Sunwolves maybe shouldn't be in Super Rugby when they do have games like this. But I think this is a bit of a one lucky shot. They sort of lost lost a lot of interest and fell away from a lot of their normal sort of play and normal tactics in this. So I expect the Sunwolves will still bounce back and still be a challenging force in, in the, still in the rest of the season. Let's move on. And it was the Hurricanes versus the Chiefs. And... After a draw earlier in this year in Waikato, the Chiefs coming down to Westpac Stadium, the Hurricanes weren't going to take it again. Uh, we'd already talked about Geordie slightly in this, but Hurricanes took this by 28 points,
1: 47-19. And they did it with minimal possession as well. Like the Chiefs actually had a lot of ball and, and you know, made a lot of metres, but the Hurricanes just held them out at, at the last. and made a lot of tackles. Um the the Chiefs on the other hand couldn't couldn't make all their tackles and, and we had a lot of really clever set piece play from the the mm-hmm. Hurricanes, but also all the counter attacks So the Geordie running running around the Chiefs at the back and sort of a a bad defensive structure to try and contain that the player in the open field and then um, you got Perinara and Idi Sevilla ripping the ball out of that ruck and Perinara Taking it down the sideline and just you know, awesome support that you see it go to Jordy and then to Artie. There was another two players chasing after Artie as well if he was going to get tackled. Like they're just they're just um, full of energy and and always supporting each other. Um, this was much more of a, a team performance um, out of the Hurricanes than some previous weeks where it just felt like a bunch of individuals not really able to gel.
0: So 47 points, and I I think they're actually quite a quite far off their best, the Hurricanes. I still think they've got a lot of improvement in them. Guys like Geordie and, and Artie, obviously, really key players for them, and they stood up in this one. But I think their forward pack overall still, say, against like Crusaders, I think they're going to get overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, but this back line is just ridiculous. I think if you keep Geordie at 15, I'm still not sure. I mean, Chase Tier-Tier on the wing, I think I'd bring Ben Lamb back. Wes Huston's in great form. Lau Mappi and and Proctor perhaps is still the best center combination. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, I mean, Bowden, Bowden looks like he's just casual out there, like he's just having a bit of fun. He never looks like he's that stressed or under pressure. Even if he puts a bad kick up, it seems to pay off for him Um I prefer probably Richie Monger at this stage, but I think Bowden's just cruising, and I think he's really going to ramp it up towards the end of this season. I think the Hurricanes are hitting their straps, and um, I expect a lot more for them. And I think they're going to really rise to the occasion. Um, I just they have so many points in them, and I think the Chiefs are going to continue to struggle without Damian McKenzie.
1: I think Bowden Barrett on your point that he looks like relaxed and casual. I think that's a sign that the team as a whole are carrying the load across all the players like if he's not having to impose himself as much that that means he can just relax do a job and you know he plays a lot of sort of coverage defense so he's not always um right up in the in the line but if he's able to do that then that's good you're protecting your pivot and um you know less risk of him um getting overwhelmed and and potentially injured if he can relax and, and everyone carries their share
0: and, you know, that's how he plays for the All Blacks. When he plays his best, it's when he's relaxed and there's a sharing of that load in a great team like the All Blacks. And I think because the Hurricanes have that quality there, he can sit back. Um, when yeah. Jordy steps up, it takes the pressure off him. Like, there's multiple guys, wow. you know, in that playmaking role. Even TJ, when he's running the ball and doing these deaf little passes, and mm, it just allows Bowden best. to pop up wherever he wants. Mm he doesn't need to play a structured game as much and that really favors him and that's why i think they're going to be successful if they continue to kind of play in this in this fashion
2: yeah well they're still rolling they're still well ahead of any other team outside the crusaders they're sitting there on 32 points so they're pretty set up for the finals and and probably to make a deep run into the playoffs let's go to the final game of the round and the new zealand derby and my tactic of tipping against whatever Leo said was one.
0: South African Derby. Yeah,
2: another South African Derby and uh Leo's tipping woes continue with this one. Stormers taking it twenty four to twenty three over the Bulls in Newlands.
1: This one though, it's like it, it was a close game again. Um Creel, Creel goes down injured. Yeah, it's Bulls lost injuries
2: mouth. and it, it hurt them a little bit, but
1: yeah,
2: Stormers like Dylan Lades and um, Stormers Will back
1: start, three, back like, three is so, still their best asset. Yeah, they're so good.
0: Yeah, I think I think the Stormers have a lot more potency there. I think the, the Bulls are they're struggling to score tries. Um, guys like Speckman out, they don't have that real you know electric player in the back in the back line. I think there's good solid players like Creel who are always going to be consistent. But yeah, Creel can in be terms allergic, of that, but yeah, I don't think that he really... needs guys around him though. Um, and Pollard's a kicking strategic, you know, take points first five, eight. um, a lot more conservative than some of his counterparts. So, you know, that the bulls, they can win that way, but at the moment it's not really working for them consistently. And, I have as much trouble picking these South African teams as the next guy. Like, it's just, it's so hard to know week to week what they're doing. There's such inconsistency. And from what we can see, like, they've each got five wins in this conference. They're running at about 50%. Um, So I don't know if one team's going to start picking things up, you know, into the finals now, but the moment, it's so up and down.
1: It was interesting to see, I I hadn't noticed from the Bulls that, they do they do take the penalties, but even when they're behind by more than a try, like that it was fourteen to three, I think, and, and they got a penalty maybe fifteen meters out just, just left side of the post. And Pollard was just straight in to kick it. And I thought this is a good spot to have a scrum. He's probably you know, he could kick it to the line if that was your preference. And they chose to go up to fourteen six rather than have a crack at a try. Now, it was early in the game, the there's certain things which certainly weren't out of hand. So they weren't required to chase hard, but it does feel a bit like it's uh, that, that approach is bucking the trend of most of the other teams in the competition that most teams would go for a try from, from that sort of position when it, they're more than a try behind. Because if you, if you're trading blows, then it's going try to them penalty to us, try to them penalty to us. It only, Mm -hmm. you know, went from 14, six, another try and it's 21, six. And then you're way out of it. Like, uh, I, that, that was a surprise to me. I really thought they'd go for some set piece there and try and convert for a try. And if they are going to kick penalties, whether they're in front or behind, that's, that is going to leave them with a bit of a ceiling on how many points they can get in a game.
0: That's, that's a step back in time to how the Springboks used to play. And they were slow to evolve as you know, some like the Wallabies in New Zealand played more of an attacking, try-scoring focus on their game. The Springboks took a lot longer to actually make that change in the way they would approach the game. And I think that actually came in through the Lions, the way they used to play with possession. They still try to do this, but the Bulls are definitely playing a more old-school traditional style, kicking a lot, taking the points. And I think it's proven... I mean, maybe it's a bit different in the Northern Hemisphere. I think that style is a lot more prevalent there. But in the Southern Hemisphere... I don't think you can compete, particularly in Super Rugby, I don't think you can compete playing that sort of style and not scoring tries consistently.
2: Yeah, there's a reason that Andre Pollard is he's well out in front in terms of total points on the season. He averages like 15 points a game. He's got 123 points in the season, 39 ahead of Quade, who's the second in it. And it's because they they look to just accumulate slowly The thing is, though, you've seen them attack. You've seen them be really um, potent from deep in their own half and run at 60 metres and score. They can do these things. They've got big forwards that have good handles like R.G. Snyder, that can set up some of these things. And, yeah, they don't have people like Speckman at the moment. Um, But they do have some of these fast guys. They're, they're, They're running with a couple of wingers that aren't really the best at the moment. They've got those guys like Styling and... Rousseau and things, and I think they are a little bit lacking at the moment. But when they bring on people, even like Marnie Leboq, when he comes on, looks a bit more dangerous and he looks a bit more attacking threat. I think potentially they just need to focus a little bit more on that and maybe maybe even give Leboq a little bit more playing time, whether that's either as a dual playmaker at 12 or something.
0: They've got to back themselves more, that's for sure. And I think we've seen when... Andre Pollard is running the ball, being attacking. He's got the talent to do that. He's done it for the yeah. spring box. When he plays well is when he's on the front foot running straight and looking to you know either carry or, or pass first rather than kick. The thing is, he's so good at kicking. I just think they love him in terms of some of the talent having that back line. Um, I just they're taking a conservative approach because they think that's the best way of playing with the personnel they have at the moment. But I think it's the wrong way to play
1: yeah, I agree.
2: Final final word now. Look, we're 11 weeks in. I'll give people a chance to change who they think's going to finish on top of the South African conference if they want. Who do you guys reckon? It's all even. Four points between first and last. Isn't
1: I still think it's the Bulls. Hopefully, um, Creel's just had ankle surgery. That's, that's got a big impact to them. Um, if I was going to pick someone to come up past them,
2: no no no, you gotta choose one team. You gotta be hard no, You yeah, pick the Bulls. On the bulls. I pick the
1: bulls, but I'm suspicious and it's weird that the you stormers pick the are and actually justified. finding a way to win. It's
2: it's weird you pick the bulls and justified by the fact that Creel's just had ankle surgery.
1: <laughs> I think it's gonna be much harder. I think I still think it's the Bulls, but it's definitely gonna be harder without Creel. And I'm getting I'm getting suspicious of the Stormers who I thought were just a bunch of rejects and they're suddenly looking dangerous in counter-attack and out wide and a lot of these South African teams are a bit the same. If they're a bit loose and they're just going to sit back and kick penalties, then a team like the Stormers might actually surprise us. But no, I still think the Bulls.
0: Maybe. saying Wait, are we saying who's going to win the conference or who's the conference? Best South conference. In the game?
2: Who's going to win the conference?
0: I mean, yeah. I think the Sharps have a good chance at the moment. I, I think they've got the depth. Um, you know, I think maybe playing Cohen Bosch at 10... Um, is going to shake Robert Dupre up a bit. I think he might step his game up. He's actually signed with Sale Sharks um, for next year. So he's on his way out, and maybe that's why he's, his dad's kind of made that change, just to be like, look, you need to be playing right to the end here. Don't take anything for granted, because we do have other guys that can cover your position. So Bosch does look good. I think they've got so much talent across that team. They can hold it together and keep their composure. I really think they're a team that can do some damage.
1: Dupree senior's actually been criticised recently for not using Kerwin Bosch enough and just having Rob Dupree in there doing it. So um, there's probably some yeah, pressure well, on him to, to right. use Kerwin Bosch more because he is a bit he, one of their well, talents. It
2: was, it was coming off the bench for a long time at the start of the season for some reason. Well,
0: yeah, and Kerwin Bosch actually is a tandem historically he's played most of his junior football at 10 and he's only 21 still like he seems like he's been around for a long time already um but he's still very very young um, and he's just so talented like he is really coming into his own i think he's going to factor into the springboks yeah um, maybe not at 10 but i think maybe just coming off the bench is a bit of 10 it, it, sort of or
2: something
1: is a utility yeah for the for those positions yeah
2: for me, I reckon it's going to be the Hagiwaras. I'm going to back them. They've just looked uh, like they've got a big change ever since they've brought in uh, Domingo Miotti in at 10. They look like they've become a little bit more consistent. They've got Buffelli back at 15. They've got a wealth of talent in that back three that they can use. And their centres are standing up so well. And the forwards with Lavanini and Matera uh, are, are really providing a lot of good go forward. So I reckon the Hagiwaras might be... In danger here because they've got a lot of home games
1: left they don't have to go back to South Africa again this year Archon uh, John the Haguar like they might not have to go to South Africa again but they do and you know any travel for them is still pretty major they do have to do a, a four four game uh, New Zealand Australia tour um and in that it looks like they've got I think it's the Blues the Hurricane or is it the Highlanders might be the Hollanders, the, the Hurricanes, the Waratahs, and the Reds. Certainly certainly, still a bit to do there.
0: Yeah, that's that's why I was actually tempted, Arch, to pick them as well. Um, but I think the two are, I'm just not sure whether they can get enough wins overseas. And the Sharks, seeing as though they started so well against the Waratahs, um, I think they have a good chance of um, picking up maybe another win on tour at least.
2: Fair enough. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, before we go on to tipping for next round, let's catch up with Rapid Rugby. And we had a good game out of Singapore um, over the weekend. The Asia-Pacific Dragons, previously winless, um, took on the South China Tigers in the reverse leg of their um, derby and taking this one in much better conditions. But 41-26, to 26, a couple of key changes for the Dragons here. They um, brought in a new fly half and really seemed to unlock their backline. They brought Tikkun former Chiefs player, to um, outside centre. He made a big impact. And this is a bit more like what I think we expected out of Rapid Rugby, these high-scoring games. No power tries still in this one, but definitely a very entertaining uh, afternoon in Singapore there.
0: Yeah, and I, I need to make more of an effort to catch these games, but can someone just explain to me why the jerseys they're wearing are so terrible? Like, surely a professional rugby team can can get someone on board to actually make a decent jersey so it's marketable. I
2: think, look, I think you're being a little bit harsh there. I do agree the um, South China Tigers away jersey, the yellow with like the speck of lots of different colours and it is a pretty terrible jersey. I, d- I definitely don't argue with that, but I think the Western Force is fine. The Asia Pacific Dragons, the black and red, um, they've got their logo, it's... A bit plain, but it's, I think that's a fair jersey, and I actually don't mind the home jersey for the South China Tigers—the orange with the actual tiger sort of stripes on the sleeve.
1: Well, like, you don't know what appeals to those markets necessarily, like the, the Singapore, South Asia, or South Pacific kind of sensibilities. That that might be something that's much more appealing to they them love than that yellow than, and
0: multicolours. Hey, well, the, there's honestly, lots of that's unusual. That's so strange, man! Like, what? what no, come what on,
1: give, come on! Give give them a chance to put their own sort of um, style and spin on things that's that's relevant in the in the nation or in the region that they're mm-hmm. in. Like, there's all sorts of different things. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the South China guys had a massive amount of red on all their jerseys because red is a symbolic colour in Chinese culture. And if you might not like how red it is, but to them, it might actually be like a really you know, engaging thing for them. So, I'd, I'd yeah. say the yellow and the speckled isn't probably that out of place mm. for that for that team in that location. I, I don't know if I can really judge it. I, I don't mind any. Of that. I mean, it's a bit. saying like, different. It's a bit strange that their <laughs>
2: logo is red and green, though, and neither of those colours feature on <laughs> their jerseys. I mean, I will give you that; it's a little bit strange.
1: Yeah, that, and that's that's aligning all that stuff. Maybe that. That's not so good.
0: I don't know. I think they just need to spend a bit of money and someone, you know, doing their branding, but I'm sure that'll come in time. It's just, yeah. um, you know, they've, they've only just started probably getting an injection of, of good money coming through the,
1: mm. these clubs. So,
0: Do you think all the South
1: African time. Marvel jerseys are any good? Because I reckon they oh look terrible. Oh, my God.
0: That's what I was about to say before. Like,
1: can Too much, just, much money can, um, can ruin jerseys, just like this? not enough.
0: Like rugby <laughs> league, sure, you can do it for rugby league because it's like it kind of makes sense, it's trashy. But when the Bulls <laughs> wear a Captain America, wow, come on, rugby league is trash, we know that. Um, but when this the is Bulls wearing do. a Captain America jersey, um, and they keep pulling it out, they wear it far too much as well. It's not even like, yeah, that's, I, I thought this was, was like the a one, one to wear yeah.
1: And all these teams keep changing their colours. Like, the Stormers are like a blue and white striped team, and then all of a sudden oh, they're yeah,
0: exactly. Thor? Are they yeah. Thor? No, I, yeah. I don't know what that was.
1: And it's grey and red. Like, it, it makes no sense to me at all. I
0: was yeah. like, oh, which team is which for a second? I there must, like, be, some it, there must be
1: some money, money in it, Toby. Of course there's money
0: in it. And I'm, I'm sure there are kids buying these jerseys, but, you know... Hopefully this is a very short-term thing and it's not churned out year after year because Avengers and Marvel's not going away, but hopefully these jerseys are. It's terrible.
2: (laughs) I think properly the message here is Rapid Rugby is on the rise. I've seen much more impressive outing this weekend and you're seeing players like uh, Tigger Tumo, as I mentioned before, even Sorelli Bobo, previous Fiji Sevens star. This is a guy that has his own Sevens team back in Fiji and he's come out to play in the Asia-Pacific Dragons. So bringing in some good um, players and some players we're going to see in the World Cup. I hope to see the number eight for the Dragons, Nili Lato. I mentioned him last week. Hope to see him out there for Tonga uh, in the World Cup as well because he's, he's a older guy, but he's just so inventive and so good with his hands and his feet. It'll be a, a, a great watch a great entertainment come the World Cup. All right, let's get into round 12 of the Super Rugby. And we start in New Zealand, Crusaders hosting the Sharks. Sharks would be on a high after that win in Sydney, but they're going to hit a bit of a red and black wall here, I I gather.
0: You know, I've said the Sharks are probably hopefully going to get another win on tour, but it won't be this week. (laughs) They've got the Chiefs the week after. The Crusaders are going to pump them I'd Take the Crusaders by 20-plus.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. And, and just to be safe, Arch, I'm putting Crusaders by one right now, just in case I screw this up later in the week.
2: I think to be safe, you put them by, like, 15, and then you moderate them by that. But, yeah, got to agree, Crusaders easily in this one. Next game in Reds, off the bye, back at home in Suncorp, and taking on the Sunwolves.
1: Tricky, tricky sort of one. Like The Sunwolves obviously coming off an absolute hiding. Um, definitely depends on the team they put out there, because... If they get the right group of guys with Hayden Parker directing traffic, like we've seen them do, um, you know we've seen them perform really well. Uh, I am going to I'm going to tip the Reds unless I think the Sunwolves uh, lineup looks particularly interesting. But I'm always hesitant off the buy. The buy doesn't seem to help anyone these days. So hopefully the Reds have had a good buy week and Brad Thorne's kept them on task. Mm. Hasn't let them take their eye off the prize too much because they're also still in it. They're only. Six points off the Rebels, so that's only a couple of wins and they'll be well and truly back over the top.
2: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd back the Reds in this one. I think the strong forward pack puts them over the top here. Um, they should be able to dominate the Sunwolves at the breakdown and up close and physical. Um, sad, the Reds won't have uh, their sort of utility and Isaac Lucas off the bench at the moment. He's off representing Australia in the under-20s. Um, at the moment and they're having a bit of success having already beaten Japan and
0: Fiji. Look, I think the Sunwolves will bring an improved performance after getting that hiding from the Highlanders but the travel coming into Queensland with Brad Thorne I think really going to be uh, bringing his troops together. I think the bye week actually would work well for them. He doesn't t- tend to give them too much of a rest and, and pushes them pretty hard. So I think the Reds will be ready to go. I still think it'll be... A little bit close But I'll probably take the Reds by 5-10 to points
2: Next game and the Hurricanes At home again and the Rebels Heading over to New Zealand and a tough one for the Rebels here Uh, They've had a week off but as Leo Highlighted last week the bye doesn't necessarily Mean that um, teams Improve that much often they come out a bit Flat and I think the Hurricanes Are going to be too um, High paced and um, Very difficult to slow down after that good Win against the Chiefs so I think you've got to take the home team in the Chiefs here, uh, in the Hurricanes here. So I think the Hurricanes probably take it. Um, I think they're probably going to take it by 10 points. I hope the Rebels can keep it closer, though.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the Hurricanes are a clear pick here as well. I do know that I think DHP will come back at 15, and I think Jordan Ulisi will be on the bench probably yeah. at hooker. Yeah. So the Rebels are... They're probably going to have to do maybe a little bit of a reshuffle. I'm not sure if Reese Hodge will... Maybe go to one wing, or he'll drop out to the bench. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to kind of tinker with their backline a little bit to fit DHP back in. Um, I think the Hurricanes uh, are running hot at the moment. I think the Rebels' the buy won't serve them too well. Um, so yeah, Hurricanes by twelve.
1: Yeah, I think particularly at the Canes house, um, I can't can't go past them in this one. So Hurricanes for me as well
2: and later that afternoon Highlanders versus the Chiefs down in Forsyth Bar.
0: This is a tough one I think because the Chiefs although they lost significantly to the the Hurricanes last week, I still think they do have a bit about them when they when they step up. Um you know and these these derbies are uh, they they're always tough, but Highlanders I think they'll take a lot of confidence from their last couple of performances. At home, they're hard to beat. I'm going to go with the Highlanders, but I expect it to be quite a tough physical affair, and I think it'll be really close.
1: I actually don't reckon it'll be that close. Um, I'm tipping the Highlanders. I think they'll they'll win this one comfortably in the end.
2: Yeah, I think it depends. If, if the Chiefs get people like Brodie Retellick back, um, he makes such a difference to that pack and how much go-forward they have. But I think Leo's probably more close to this one. I think the Highlanders are just going to be um, too good at home, and the Chiefs are just a different monster uh, without Damien McKenzie, and it's a monster I'm not really that scared of. Um, next game, Brumbies at home, GIO Stadium, and taking on the Blues. And this is a team that hasn't beat the Blues since 2014.
1: So so this one, again, the Brumbies, if, if they're reshuffling again, um, it's going to make it more difficult. I think David Pocock is... Although we've said it before, targeting this game to return, there's a bit of bit of uh, info on his social media saying it's been a frustrating tour. Uh, obviously, being away with the guys, and not being able to get on the field without wearing the water vest. But uh, I think with with Pocock back, uh, I think they probably do stick with Tom Wright for another game, uh, and and I think they can. I think they're, they're in a spot where they could probably get the Blues here. That I still think the Blues, while they've been building and and getting better. I still think you can shut down a few key players. Uh be we- be very wary of their forwards trying to hold you up. Guys like Akira Yuani just get on the ball and hold the guys up, get turnovers from malls that fall apart. Um but if you can t- you can avoid that happening and close people like Milani Nanai and, and Rico Yuani down, I think there's definitely um room for the Brumbies to get a win here. Yeah,
2: I think look, this is a game that you'd expect people like the Tars to probably lose no matter what. They seem to struggle against the Blues even on the road. But I think the Brumbies hopefully will have the presence and poise to sort of keep it tight, moving it through the forwards, trying to be very direct in your running lines, um, target the set piece. Uh, the Blues traditionally aren't as strong in that set piece, so that scrum is a lot better this year. Uh it's going to be a tough one for the Brumbies coming back from that long travel and facing this Blues team. If they're a little bit fatigued, a little bit slow, they might get caught by surprise. But I'm I'm taking the Brumbies. They've shown enough in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm scared of the Blues backs here. Not so much of their forwards. I'm really impressed actually by the Brumbies forward pack at the moment. Even guys like Jerome Brown at six. I think it's going to be hard to displace him if if say Pocock comes back at seven and you got McCaffrey at eight. I really love already the the Brumbies type five. So, like you say, Arch, if they can keep it tight and really control this one, um, you know, work to their strengths, I do think they can get a win here. I think I'm going to tip them. I think the bookies have got the Blues, you know, slight favourites here, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not surprising given how the Blues have been playing. But, yeah, I think the Brumbies do have potential to win this one. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be super close. But I'll take the Brumbies.
2: We're keeping it all together here, boys. No one's no one stepped out of line yet. Um, next one, and it's the Waratahs go on their tour, and they're headed straight to altitude, up to Pretoria to versus that Bulls team.
1: And tricky uh, again because we don't know the composition of the Bulls team, particularly with Creel out having had surgery this week. Um, what, what is their backline going to look like? Are they going to change their approach, or will be kicking will kicking penalties and grinding it out be enough against the Waratahs? Uh, I'm inclined to believe it will be. I, I'm not going to trust the Waratahs on tour. Uh, I think you've got you've got a team that's right up there at the top of their conference. Waratahs also near the top of ours, but just looking very shaky uh, when there's a little bit of pressure. Three out of four times, they seem to crumble instead of rising to meet it. So um, I'll have the the Bulls by a, a try or so.
0: Yeah, Tar's super flimsy and the injuries that they've picked up. Um, I think it's, it's going to make it really difficult for them the, the problem is with the Tars always when you write them off in this sort of situation they surprise you um, I just can't pick them though the, the Bulls are, are the safe pick and I think it'll be a bit of a grinder this one but um, Andre Pollard will take control and, and get the win for the Bulls
2: yeah I'm completely writing off the Tars in this one they have no chance hopefully that does yeah. spark them to a win
0: uh, but no,
2: nah, the Tars have never toured that well. they struggled to get wins in South Africa at the best of times, let alone versus one of the strongest South African teams at altitude. So yeah, got to take the pulls in this. Um, we'll go to the final game and the Warriors stay at home and they're hosting the Stormers. And Stormers team on the rise. Hagiwara is also a team on the rise. But at home, I just don't think the Stormers will be able to do enough um, they have speed in their back three, but I think the Aguarias can equal that speed um, pretty easily. And I think they're going to take this one at home. I reckon it's, it's going to bring the Stormers a little bit back to earth after a, a couple of good wins versus the Rebels and Bulls.
1: You sure you want to stick with that tip if I go Aguarias, Arch? Because <laughs> I'm going to go Aguarias as well. Damn it, you, we uh... you
2: are ruining this for me.
1: <laughs> I think I'm down to 20% of the now, so... One in five I get right. This is the one I reckon I'm going to get right. I think there's too many things in the Haguaris' favour. Storm is playing well, but away from home, big travel. Haguaris play a similar back outside-backside sort of game. Uh, it'll be the better defence in this one. If the Haguaris can match the, the stormers in defence, I think they'll get it.
0: Isn't your record more poor, though, Leo, when it's just South African teams? When you bring in the Argentinian team, conference I think. South
1: African conference teams. Okay. No, okay. I, I count the, the Haguara being a conference team. as This is a derby game. And when when there's two South African teams, last I checked, I was tipping it about one in four, and I don't think I've tipped one since. So it's probably out to one in five now, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. Um, look, for me,
0: I'm going to have to take the Haguaras as well, although I wouldn't be super surprised if the Stormers do step up again and take this one. Um, inconsistency has been an issue for the Stormers, but... Jaguarez, look, at home, I think they have the edge. I think they can score enough points here. I would say, though, this is going to be a pretty entertaining game and mm. the ball will be thrown around a fair bit. So tune in if you can.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be a good one. Um, there you go. All tips, all the same from all three of us. So if you're a betting man, I guess this is the weekend to get get on your betting, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, look, it's... I think the rule at the moment is if you're in doubt, take the home team. Um, and we we might be in that situation a little bit here with the the last three games, the, the Brumbies, Blues, Bulls, Waratahs and Haguaro Stormers. But yeah, look, it's super rugby. It's still unpredictable at the best of times and we're seeing a lot of parity this year. Mm. Um, but well, it's been I, I exciting. I have there'll, to there'll say be an upset somewhere. But yeah. yeah,
2: it's been a great
0: season to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, look, there's, there was a bit of doom and gloom around the Australian teams and last year wasn't a great year for us but I have to say I think there's been some good co- combinations forming throughout our different Super Rugby franchises yeah. um, you know the Brumbies forwards you got some of the Rebels backline combinations there I think the Waratahs will hopefully you know guys like Beal, Foley really start to to step up um, in these ladder games so Look, I think that the Wallabies are going to be in good stead. Um, similarly with used there's usually, you know, one of these teams that's really terrible. Um, but this year, they're all pretty on par. Um, and look, I think New Zealand speaks for itself. They're all pretty good teams. The Chiefs have struggled a little bit, but the rest of the teams there have a lot of quality. Look, I think New Zealand's going to keep rumbling on, but I think, you know, the Wallabies and Springboks will hopefully improve again and kind of you know put pressure on the all blacks at least
2: yeah and it'll be a really interesting rugby championship especially if it continues to be people trying out a few different combinations before the world cup uh looking forward to it especially the fact we're not starting off against the all blacks for first time in I i can't even remember so um might be that we get to start off with a bit of an easier game um I think oh I think we are actually traveling to South Africa first game up which yeah, it's not the easiest. It's a
0: tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one but I you know what I uh, it's probably on par with playing the All Blacks in Sydney at the moment. You know that's a really tough game even though we'd be playing at home. Going to Joburg against the Springboks look, I think anything can happen in that one mm. because well, you don't, the you don't early know what on. Team not, that
2: team's going to look like at all, especially if they're bringing yeah, players back yeah. from Europe. It might be that they're a bit loose, a bit combinations aren't quite there yet. So there's yeah. every chance I think, you get to it.
0: Yeah, I think potentially, like, this is still a fair way off, but I think the Wallabies may have, you know, a few more tried-and-tested combinations in their lineup, whereas we've seen with the Springboks, they often do bring guys in from everywhere and it takes mm-hmm. them a few weeks to get going, so... That might play out in our favour, we'll have to see.
2: Yeah. Well, if you guys want to keep up with everything that's happening in the rugby world, uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at the Running Rugby Podcast for Instagram and at Running Rugby Pod. Make sure that you press the little subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this and let your friends know as well and give us a review if you're feeling it. Um, Keep an eye out on Instagram, we'll be... Putting up a few polls. Uh, we do it every week for the teams, but we're going to be doing it for some Wallaby selections in the coming weeks to see what you guys think should be our Wallabies 15. But enjoy this weekend, should be a solid round from all involved and keep on running.
1: Run.